Hello and welcome to the Shock Horror Podcast. Yay, yay, yay. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? Pretty good. You know, the weather has been getting nicer and nicer here, which is always my favorite. So lovely weekend so far. Yeah. How's the weather there? Um, It's been cold and hot and then cold again and then warm. And today it was just like a bit bleh. All over but, the place. Um, it's definitely getting better, but yeah, it's a little bit all over the place at the moment. But and- yes, here we are back again for a real horror show. And this time we're going to be delving into uh, the evil dead. Groove yeah. it, baby. Yes, I'm so excited. Some- I'm so excited. Go ahead. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> I promise I won't be using face. those phrases. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a really fun one. Um, I did a lot of, uh, I've seen the films hundreds and hundreds of times. So I thought to myself, I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. I'm not going to watch the actual films. I'm going to watch the making of documentaries. Wow. That's such a good idea. Yeah. So I've got loads of facts and things from behind the scenes that we can talk about as well um, as the actual films themselves. I've just actually finished watching the making of Army of Darkness, which was uh, fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, can you remember the first time you ever saw uh, an Evil Dead movie? Yes, I was in high school, and a friend of mine showed it to me. He was like, you know, this is a crazy movie, and he was like, it's really scary, but, like, I, I, it's also, like, cool. And I, I wasn't sure what that was going to mean, and then I just remember watching it, you know, in my friend's basement, and just being like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and and I do love it, like... I am scared in certain moments, and then I'm also laughing the next moment, which I feel like, you know, it just gets nailed in this franchise, like a real, this is a true horror comedy, right? Like the truest of them. Yeah. No, I agree. What about yeah, you? Yeah, so I, I actually remember being very, very young and mm. Army of Darkness being on the TV. Mm-hmm. And watching it with my, I think I watched it with my dad and it was just a massive grooble comedy. And I was used to watching like those Ray, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember that. Ray Harry Hansen, I think his name is. But mm-hmm. he, he, all those films like um, Jason and the Argonaut and Clash yeah. of the Titans, you mm-hmm. know, where it was all stop motion. So uh, watching Army of Darkness and seeing all those like stop motion skeletons running around just yes. really reminded me of that so i never really saw the horror element i remember i remember the bit when the head like becomes you know like the mm-hmm. other ash yeah. and ash has like the double ganger i remember that bit really clearly being quite young and yes. uh really loving it you know because it was scary it was horror but at the same time it was really funny so it didn't scare me it just made me laugh yeah, it kind of gets you in that place of being like, <laughs> yeah, know, sort of like grossed out, but also able to join in and geek out, you know? Yeah. Now, I think it's really important to say at this point that uh, we have spoken about this many times on the show, 
-hmm. But the Evil Dead was actually part of one of the video nasties in the UK. So the Evil Dead wasn't released uh, in the UK um, to watch until 1999. Wow. About about 99, 2000 Mm -hmm. was when the actual Evil Dead was released. So um, Army of Darkness, you could watch it. Evil Dead 2, you could watch that as much as you wanted. But Evil Dead, the first film, was not available. Wow, that's so interesting considering these films, you know, like how how the violence kind of like gets better with the effects, but then I guess also so does the comedy. Perhaps that's what allows it to to kind of sneak in. Whereas in that first yeah. one, there is a little bit more confusion about this is actually supposed to be scary, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And with the first film, I, 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 there is a little correction I will put here. There was a heavily edited version that was okay. available on VHS. But um, one of the key scenes of the reason why it was banned and also mm-hmm. uh, was completely cut out of the film until 2000 was the scene in the woods with the trees. I think Oof. you know what scene I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It that so, sticks with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so because of that one scene, I think that was the reason why it became a video nasty, and that why it, why it was banned in its uncut form here in the UK until the early noughties. So, uh, oh. yeah, and and I used to be a massive collector of like uh, VHS. The funny thing was, I used to go to we've we've spoken about the boot sale, you know, like the mm-hmm. the the, uh, the yard sale that I used to go to every Sunday morning. And used mm-hmm. to pick up old films and stuff. A lot of the films that I used to pick up, you know, I didn't even have, I don't think, a VHS player around that time. I think I was all, I'd gone over to DVD. But I used to pick up the old VHSs oh. just just for their covers. Mm-hmm. So I used to collect the VHS covers, which then ultimately has, has led on to my huge, you know, obsession now, which is movie posters. But yes. first of all, but first of all, I was collecting. VHS covers and I've still got a VHS cover of the Evil Dead from its very first release here in the UK so it's one wow. of my treasured possessions that is yeah. so cool it's great yeah and what really strikes me about it is the uh, the quote on the fi- and I think that um, Sam Raimi has openly said the reason why the Evil Dead was so popular was mm-hmm. because Stephen King watched it and gave a quote for the for the poster and ultimately oh. the VHS cover as well, saying it was the, the the scariest movie he'd ever seen. Wow! Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Like for Stephen King to sort of be in the lore of this, being so connected to just like the genre of horror and and sort of signing off or like giving his stamp of approval. That's so cool. Yeah. They said that it would not have been as successful. It would not be as successful as it was if it hadn't been for that Stephen King quote. For sure, that makes total sense. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the first film to begin with. Now, I've all the journey or of the Evil Dead is such a weird one because it's a mixture of genres, and mm-hmm. when people talk about the Evil Dead being a comedy. I get a little bit irate because I don't think the first one was meant to be made as a comedy. What do you think? 
I totally agree. I think that's why it makes complete sense to me that it got on the video nasties list because the first one is it's towing the line, but it was towing the line by accident. It like didn't realize that the level to which it was being violent could become absurd. It was just trying to be so scary that it kind of like accidentally became absurd because that one is Mm. still pretty eerie and like does make your skin crawl, even though you're also like able to laugh a little nowhere near is how much you'll get to laugh as this you know franchise goes on oh absolutely and i find the first one you know some of the the atmospheric stuff at the beginning uh Mm -hmm. the use of the of the of the uh the tape recorder you know Mm -hmm. the recording of the voice of the old professor who's studying the the necronomicon Mm -hmm. book of the dude (laughs) um (laughs) yeah really eerie element and Mm -hmm. Um, no, I, I, I think that that element of comedy comes through by mistake because of the limits that they had. Right, right. And there's a lot of limits. Like, if you look at, I think they, I think they said that the budget was $50,000. Oof, that's, yeah, that must have been so hard. I mean, considering what, you know, they end up with, there's something kind of amazing about that too, right? Like, they do so much in that movie with so little practically, which is, I think, a reason why I love it so much. You know, not just because it might be funny, but because the practical things that they figured out how to do are really mm-hmm. mystifying to me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think having no budget actually helped them be more creative with the effect in that first film. Totally. Totally. That makes that's exactly right. Now, I've, I've got to admit right now that I've always, always had a crush on Bruce Campbell. Oh, he's the best. Me too, actually. I was talking about it last night with my partner. Like, there's something so great about <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Like, I love him. Um, yeah. How could you not? And he's, so, hands- he's so handsome in that first film. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like, well, all opposite. three, you know, like, he looks so good in Army of Darkness when he's sort of becoming the rugged superhero. And there yeah. is something so wonderful about how handsome yet earnest he is in that first one. You know, he's so yeah. open and game. It's lovely. Absolutely. And um, it's weird now to think, isn't it, that in the original script, like Ash was not going to be like the final guy. He, you know, that it was going to be one of the girls that were going to be the final girls. But of course, um, he wasn't going to be this huge person in the franchise. It just, evolve like that because he was so good and him and Sam Raimi had been friends since junior high and they got on really well and they used to make like old sort of um you know like super eight films together when they were younger yeah so yeah it's a really weird evolvement of Evil Dead and you know some of the scariest scenes in that I mean when um the very first girl turks turns into the demon and is locked in the cellar and like the cellar door is open she's peering out that always made a massive impression of me uh, like it was so eerie yeah yeah i mean that that is the one piece of them that really does scare me is like he really nailed sort of like a vocal and visual idea of like what a sort of possessed person can look like and it really reminds me a lot of the exorcist but in some ways is scarier looking their eyes mm-hmm. are horrifying 
always so scary to me. I'm I'm right there with you. I think also why it's scarier than The Exorcist is because whilst these um, these Kandarian demons are getting up to their mischief, they're mm-hmm. laughing constantly throughout. Yeah, which really freaks me out, you know. And Ew. there is so much, so much gore, mm-hmm. you know. Horror either goes one way or the other, doesn't it? It either goes in the way of they don't show you very much so that your imagination fills in the gaps or they mm-hmm. show you everything and the Evil Dead shows you everything. Yes, in capital bolded letters, everything, uh, because, you know, we've already touched on the craziness in the forest with the trees, but, like, there is mm-hmm. just... Yeah, it feels like once it go, it gets on there is this funny rhythm and that rhythm also works as a scare. You know, like it's either a rhythm of laughs where like Ash thinks he's okay for a moment and then they come back again. And like, that's a normal piece of horror, but it's just such an enjoyable thing in the evil dead, particularly, you know, like I am getting a jump scare again, but I also get a nice little laugh. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And all the, all the um, performances are really heightened Mm. and uh you know i think that has a lot to do with also uh the conditions in which they were filming in you know they were filming at night they were all really tired they were always covered in goo and blood Mm. and guts you know and they were doing this pretty much for nothing you know a lot of them were just doing it to get some work on their on their cv you know Uh um uh And they were literally doing it for, for zero money. And yeah, mm. I just feel like they captured lightning in a bottle with that film because it is very isolated. And also, I, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this and um, mm. I'll put the question to you. I would say that Evil Dead created the Cabin in the Woods uh, horror subgenre. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, prior to that, if people went to cabins in horror movies, they they were just a couple on the run. It wasn't about going to the woods and, you know, unlocking or unleashing something evil. And there is something so amazing about how it did kick that off. And it feels like ever since people have been trying to find a way to get there, you know, cabin in the woods itself does the best job. But you're right there. It really Mm. created a whole genre essentially absolutely and i love that bit when they're driving towards uh the cabin and you've got like the the seat outside sort of rocking and banging against the wall and that Mm -hmm. whole scene is so atmospheric Uh, the um the soundscape we talk about soundscape quite a lot on um on the real horror show but the soundscape Mm -hmm. in evil dead i think is so well done Oh, that is absolutely what I think carries it over the top and makes it scary. You know, like he he'll figure out a way to use the sound effects later to keep us laughing. But in that first one, when he was still really trying to scare us, that tone is what gets it done. You know, it's the perfect thing to sort of lift you up right at the last moment and then drop you. (laughs) And I love I love, you know, all of the design of that. It's very cool. Absolutely. There's one sequence which, um, like, the camera angle is facing down through the rafters on the roof, mm-hmm. and it's sort of panning along with Bruce Campbell, and you sort of get this wow, 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 like sound effect, 
Apparently that wasn't put on after. That was actually the noise that the camera was just making as it was wow. passing over the rafters. So that was completely and utterly a fluke. And yet for me, it's one of the most unnerving moments in the film. Yes, yes. I mean, the innovation with which, uh, you know, he wanted to shoot this, or I guess maybe just straight up experiment with, you know, ways he could shoot it is what kind of makes it also really, um, I guess, like enveloping, you know, like I really am right in the story following Bruce Campbell around because you're, you're seeing him from all of these angles that really do make it feel like you're in every nook and cranny. And I wanted to ask, you know, like they talked about how that sound effect was a total happy accident. Did they talk at all about, you know, like what he was going for with sound design? Because for me, he succeeded. But I wonder if that was maybe all a happy accident. Yeah, well, um, they were a group of friends on the set. So when they actually arrived on the set and started to set up, none of them had allocated roles. Like there was no mm. lighting guy, no sound guy, there was nothing. So when they actually started to film, they started to allocate the roles out. Like one guy was saying, I've never done lighting before, but, you know, <laughs> Sam Raimi is pretty much doing everything. So I suppose I can give it a go. So they were literally creating stuff right there and then on the wow. set with no um, pre-production whatsoever. So when it comes to like sound design and stuff like that, it was just literally what they had around at the time. Wow. Yeah, that's so, it's so great when you can just love your vision enough to go and make a movie and figure out a way to make it work. And for, for that up to all fall in place for you, right? For like that group of friends to be oh, yeah, so absolutely. game, um, to have the eye and ear and, you know, mind to basically do all of these jobs and then just allocate in a way that had to work because, you know, like these, these guys are all friends. It's, Oh, it's so cool. I really love Sam Raimi. And like, it has to be because of this. I just, I feel like he is insanely creative and really uncompromising, <laughs> you know, like he's going to, he wants to Absolutely. get cool shit and he's going to get cool stuff. No, I completely agree with you. And the fact that, you know, they were pretty much thrown in at the deep end, you know, really trying to work on, you know, creating something unique mm -hmm. and, yeah, absolutely incredible. And as for vision, you know, I don't think really they had a script, but the script evolved and changed quite a lot over the course of the shoot. Okay. Um, okay. a lot, a lot of that had to do actually with the actors turning around saying, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> Amazing. So he no, and they were like, "Okay." Even more over the top. Yeah, absolutely. And he, but the thing is that they they said actually in the documentaries of all three of the movies that mm -hmm. Bruce Campbell was just up for anything like he would mm -hmm. just do whatever Sam Raimi asked him to do apparently there it. was a scene there was something during um I think it was during Army of Darkness mm -hmm. and Sam Raimi told Bruce Campbell that he was going to have a section a dance section with the skeletons the yes. skeletons were going to like break out into like sort of a dance number or something and Bruce Campbell was like are you serious and he's like yeah yeah I'm serious so Bruce Campbell went and got like tap lessons and everything and when right. it when it came down to it there was like hardly nothing for him to do he didn't use any of the tap dancing stuff at all but Sam Raimi just used to tell him to do things and had no intention of putting them in the movie but it just sort of kept his and Bruce 
his and Bruce Campbell's relationship, you know, on the edge. So he'd Love say it. to him, Bruce, smash 10 plates over your head. So they'd film him smashing like 10 plates over his head and then they mm-hmm. wouldn't use it in the film. <laughs> I mean, that's the best part of this too, is that there is that like freedom in creating because they're buddies and I, I do love that Bruce Campbell is so up for anything. You know, it's so clear that he is so committed. And I think that's what makes his character have the staying power it does, but also keeps it grounded. Like for as absurd as it is, because he's so committed, it feels, you know, like, you know, it's really happening. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, we've got a couple of messages from an Evil Dead fan. Let's have a listen. Evil Dead is a world of movies. So, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, I love that TV show. But mm. I think you're talking about um, making Evil Dead 4, Weiss. Evil Ooh. Dead, Weiss, it's called. But Bruce Campbell's not going to be in it for... He's going to probably be producer, producing it. But I hope... You bring back Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 4. And also, it's a game of Evil Dead coming out as well. So, I'm looking Sweet. forward to that. Oh, yes. cool, Kane. Thank Thanks you. for listening, mate. Yes, um, we'll, we will get on to that. Obviously, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, the TV mm-hmm. show. And um, the new film that's coming out, which is apparently a continuation of the old classic movies, but Bruce... Campbell is not um, going to be starring in it. So I'm imagining it's going to be maybe a relative of Ash that could be involved. Yeah, I think, did he have, he had a kid on Ash versus Evil Dead, right? Like I, I only watched the beginning of it and then I just kind of yes. fell through. But he, he had a kid, so there's something there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the latest yeah. news, um, this was a, uh, in NME on the tenth of March, twenty twenty one, and Bruce mm. Campbell reveals that Evil Dead Rise—that's what the film's going to be called—will yes. start filming this year. Yes, amazing. Okay, I'm in. And he is the producer. Nice. Oh wow! Yeah. I'm like so grateful to always in our talks get so much info about like what's going on in the industry. It really keeps me alive, and I yeah. appreciate you know that um, that comment. And then also just the the info you always have. It's so cool to to hear all that stuff. Well, yeah, it says it's written written and directed by Lee Cronin, who has been handpicked by Sam Raimi, and according Whoa. to the actor, the next film will feature a female lead character. Sick. I'm down for that, of course. Of course. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. We've got another message from Kane, I believe. Let's have a quick listen to this. And then we can talk about the Kandarian demons, which I'm really excited to talk about. Here we go. Yeah, so when that seat was banging against the wall on uh, Cabins of the Woods, Evil Dead, uh, it done the same part in Ash vs. Evil Dead on the final episode. Not the final episode, but um, on season one. So, yeah, it's awesome. Sick. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they used that same, uh, you know, like with the seat rocking and banging against the wall, they used the same effect in season one. Nice. Oops. 
seems like we must have gotten disconnected for a second here. Um, but yeah, well, oh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, cool. Oh, sorry, did I go? Oh, that happened before. <laughs> sorry, my bad. No problem, no problem. <laughs> You're totally bad, um, and it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to talk about the Kandarian demons, really. The, mm. like, the effects used to to bring them to the screen. Because I actually think that they are the scariest representations of, like, those kind of mythical creatures, you know, like demons, that mm. I think I've ever seen on screen. Apart totally from agree. Dario Argento's demons, which is terrifying. But I would say the Evil Dead demons are scary for another reason they're just so maniacal and they won't stop and they they're enjoying what they're doing yes yes they're totally like into being menaces and you're right about what you said before with the laughing like the fact that they laugh and sort of enjoy it does make it even scarier and the the coloring right like the really specific coloring of sort of how you know, the, the cracked up face is, I guess, like just painted in and the color of the eyes and how that all works together. It's so mm-hmm. good. Little oranges and reds and pinks. Just like the level of creativity that whoever designed them had to have makes me wish I was friends with that person. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the people that were involved in the makeup and stuff were first timers that had never really done it before. Wow. Just like where, you know, they just um, did it as for fun. Wow. I mean, maybe that's also, you know, part of it that when when you make a film for fun, but you'll trust each other, you respect each other, you care about each other. This is the kind of thing you can make even when you have no money, you know, like something that you and I are talking about, like 40 years later or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the um, everyone dies in the Evil Dead, apart mm-hmm. from, well, actually, in the original concept, Ash did die at the end. Like, mm-hmm. they had absolutely no plans to make a sequel. Sam Raimi didn't want to do it. They wanted to make comedies. They weren't, they weren't actually um, horror fans when they went in to make Evil Dead. They'd seen a lot of horror movies at drive-in mm-hmm. theaters and they okay. were just looking at these look at looking at these films and just thinking we could do better wow that was what they were that's what they were doing they and actually they wanted right. to make comedies okay so they went off and made uh, a comedy i can't remember what it was called but they went off to make a comedy and it um didn't do do well mm. uh, there was a lot of studio interference Oh. Uh, by the end of it, they were just like, "Oh, this is I'm I'm fed up with this." They learned a lot of lessons from that, and they thought, "Well, our next project has to be something that we can do completely independently." And mm-hmm. they came up with Evil Dead Two. But to begin with, Sam Raimi was actually really against it. I mean, that makes sense. You know, there's something so interesting, and like it's, it seems to be like a rite of passage if you're if you start in this business as a horror director they almost always come for you in like your second big uh, effort and try their best to like control it because they want you to still be successful. But like, I don't think they trust horror directors outside of horror. There's something really interesting about how, of course, when the stupid studio starts giving you notes, it becomes a bad movie that 
everyone knows that. I don't know why the studios don't catch that. <laughs> I know. I don't understand why these guys whose basic job it is to, to, you know, check the books and make sure that they stay on budget, yet they have these creative controls where you're just like, <laughs> I mean, why? Like, why do you feel like you're a film director all of a sudden? Did you go to film school? No. No. <laughs> exactly. I'm not entirely sure why people feel like they can do that. But I mean, um, there's something funny about it to me because, you know, like, I think especially when you get a person like Sam Raimi who's so creative, there's probably some sort of, like, inner child in these, like, business types that makes them be like, yeah, I, I can play with Sam Raimi. Like, I see what he's going for and a part of me thinks that like half of the people that try to get over involved are just like wish they could be the director. So they're like trying to hang and that doesn't help either. Cause mm. like they didn't go to film school, you know, they can't just, they can't just effortlessly sort of do something even inadvertently. Cause finding out that comedies is what they really wanted to do. It makes perfect sense that even though evil dead was very scary, he couldn't help but have comedy there. You know, like it is in his mm-hmm. sort of, uh, being you know like even with the dynamic he and Bruce Campbell are able to strike where Bruce Campbell would just trust him and do anything he says is so funny uh, just inherently <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and when it comes to making Evil Dead 2 like I said Sam Raimi didn't want to do it but was sort of forced into it because it's one of those projects that he could have pretty much complete creative control over but obviously mm-hmm. they had the problem of that everyone died. So they decided to do an almost kind of reboot mm-hmm. of the series, uh, which they do. And Bruce Campbell was saying that the whole reboot idea actually annoyed him a little bit because people thought that Ash hadn't learnt his lesson the first time and actually <laughs> just came back with loads of new people to the right. same cabin and was just a bit of a div. But um, one thing that I found really, really funny was mm-hmm. and get this this is mind-blowing okay mm-hmm. they, they had to refilm the whole opening of evil dead 2 because uh, they wanted basically to link it to evil dead 1 but mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to use any of the footage of evil dead in the film because it belonged to a different company so, so they stupid. weren't allowed to use so they couldn't use any of the footage from the end of the very first evil dead movie they had to go and refilm the whole thing. God, that's so, yeah, I, I remember reading about that because when I was in college, I was trying to understand it. And I was just like, how can this be possible? And so someone had posted it in like a message board. And then I found a video of Bruce Campbell, like only a couple of years confirming it. But I just thought it was one of those, like, again, studio stories, you know, where like, of course, because someone knows that what you have is good, but they also like don't really want to play ball with you they won't give you what like they should just give you. And I do, Uh I do totally get, you know, how it must've felt for Bruce Campbell who'd already done it. Who's now going to do it again and then sort of get misunderstood. (laughs) Like he definitely got, was underrated I think for a while because of it. No, that's it. And they, and they wanted to make um, evil dead Two with a bigger budget, like create, correcting some of the mistakes that they felt they'd made with the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, they got in with a big backer, uh, Dino uh, Laurentis, I think his the name best. was a big Italian, you know, direct, um, producer. like movie producer. Yeah, so yes. they had a lot of like backing and 
he didn't really get involved because um, I think they realised that the, the first Evil Dead film actually was more popular abroad than it was in the States. So, like, oh. like Italy, you know, Europe loved it. I mean, you, you know, you think about the stuff that they were making around that time with, like, Argento and Mario mm-hmm. Bava, you know, all those you know, those horror yes. movies like uh, like Demons and yep. the many spin-offs that Demons had. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they lapped Evil Dead up. It was like, it was it was art house, grimy, you yes. know, nasty horror. And they yeah. loved that in, in Europe. So um, he realised that the market was more out there. Um, so that's where they pretty it. much aimed it. Well, yeah. I appreciate that, too, because I think that's what I love about the producer, Dino De Laurentiis, because he produces, like, some of the best movies, like, across genres, because he's one of those guys who, like, is a money man that's, like, not afraid to spend it on you, that, like, you know, is that Italian guy <laughs> that you take out to dinner and you're like, here's my idea, and he's like, you know what, you're a charismatic guy, I like you, I'm going to give you this money, and he doesn't really try to make the creative decision that studios did so like a lot of early filmmakers were working with him kind of like how Danny DeVito does in the 90s like there mm-hmm. is something cool about when you find the right producer they can really just let you run wild in the best of ways and I think that's what I love about how this franchise does sort of like take its idea back by hanging in there with Evil Dead 2 and then persisting into Army of Darkness and then being able to keep <laughs> the idea alive, you know, really build a universe again before Marvel, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So going into Evil Dead, like, um, they they originally wrote a script that Sam Raimi read uh, and just absolutely hated it completely. <laughs> so he said, well, everyone's trying to come up with a way of, continuing the story from the first one but why do we have to do that why don't we just throw out like the continuity and just start again so that's what they did and um and that's how they did we've got some messages let's hit these uh ditties before we go deep dark into evil dead 2 but um here we go hello killjoy okay i just walked in didn't hear any of the conversation just looked at the title and realized hot damn hot damn y'all talking about one of the greatest motherfucking horror franchises in existence in existence not just because it's a horror but it's because of comedy too and the only reason it's comedy too is because motherfucker the raimi boys are insane they're freaking crazy as hell (laughs) balls to the wall not so crazy because you got to be that badass to get them angles right to get that gore right to get that mm -mm, good good kill thon on Hell yeah, yeah, motherfucker. Evil Dead 1, they tried to make a strip horror movie. And they succeeded. You know what I'm saying? It was a good horror movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Evil Dead 2, that was more of like a motherfucking, we're going to remake the whole thing and shit and just try again with a little bit of comedy, a little bit more gore, see where it goes with that. Army of Darkness, well, that's just a classic. That's just a cult classic. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just comedy <laughs> yeah, on top of comedy. On top of horror, on top of comedy. It was good shit. It was good shit. And then you had the show. And the show was just... <laughs> yeah, how's your boys kill? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Raimi boys, I love that. Yeah, uh, Killjoy's left us some more messages, so let's hit these quickly. Yes. Oh, hit the wrong button. 
See, it's oh, funny that they didn't want. They wanted to do comedy so much, but they mm-hmm. actually are really good at fucking horror. They are really, they really so good. I mean, what's so the good. one movie where the girl got cursed? Um, Drag me to hell. I'm sorry. I, I smoke a lot of weed. Like, like right now, I'm just <laughs> so I'm trying to remember this movie. Uh, you know, you know, it was, uh, it. drag that, drag, drag me to hell, drag me to yes. hell, drag, drag to hell, something like that. There, that shit was a beast ass horror movie. That for a horror movie, that was a beast ass horror movie. Stripping down, up and down. You know what I'm saying? Now the rabies can do horror. They can do horror. They might not like it, but mm-hmm. damn it, they can do it. Do it real good. The angles, the camera angles. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the cinematography. It's mm-hmm. just uh, uh, that's that quick silence. This is before some shit pops off and shit. You know what I'm saying? They are the kings of the motherfucking pop scare. Hodge yes. boys killed you. I give them that. I give them that all day. So the Raimi yes. boys, yes, sir. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And he said something like, obviously, um, I'm, uh, I'm so glad that you brought up Drag Me to Hell because so that was sort of a return to horror after so many years spent making the Spider-Man movies for Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans that loved him uh, from his Evil Dead work were so like overjoyed that he was coming back to do the horror genre. And I remember watching that film in the cinema and then going back mm-hmm. the following night to watch it again because I just thought it was brilliant. Absolutely yes. brilliant. Me too. I, I remember just feeling so excited when I was watching that because it truly is like he took everything he's ever learned with his passion and put it into that movie and it's so I feel like it's perfectly executed and I regularly watch it because it's so good it's like as good as all of the other ones story and performance wise because (laughs) frankly I have a hot take I'm like not really a fan of Alison Lohman she's the lead actress in that but she is Mm -hmm. so good in that movie she figures out (laughs) I guess like how to walk the Bruce Campbell line and nails it um, so yeah, I am happy to talk about that movie anytime. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree with you. And um, the thing I found, what I loved so much about it was mm-hmm. it had those really strong elements of horror and comedy, yes. but it also had that. Um, I, I almost felt like Drag Me to Hell existed in the Evil Dead universe, like yes. they could be like live side by side. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like the whole thing of curses and, um, you know, that scene with the goats at the seance, which is just fantastic. So you know, good. like with the possessed goat. I just, I just feel like it does really sit well within the Evil Dead, you know, saga. So I, I don't so actually see Drag Me to Hell as a separate entity. I just think that um, they left off Evil Dead 4 in the title by mistake. Yes. Yes. It's so, that's so true. I feel like they are so, he's so able to like go right back to the world he had created there because even the color and aesthetic of that movie is something that gets me every time where I'm always like, Oh, that's right. It's so uh, crisp. And the, the depth of each shot is like very thought through. And there's something kind of um, fluid about drag me to hell that I feel like he was able to get doing the Spider-Man movies right like sort of needing to Mm -hmm. capture this guy flying through the air in a realistic way made it amazing to watch him follow a scarf through a room that is possessed momentarily before it's gonna get our you know main actress (laughs) 
just yeah God, the filmmaking like from the jump you know he's always had that vision but yeah i agree like drag me to hell is fits perfectly into the evil dead universe and i'm sorry but the end of drag me to hell is one of the most brutal endings to any film you'll ever watch i mean it's perfect and again i have to give it to alison loman like she gets in as heavy as Bruce Campbell does. Her acting is like perfect. And the the thing, the game that she played at the end of that and what it must have been for her to shoot that, I have to just salute. So good. Mm. I love when Sam no, absolutely. is um, outside, inside. I love when he's doing an exterior that's like clearly in a soundstage that he's just completely manipulating. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I think that, um, you know, I remember when I first went to see it and that ending happened, I was like, whoa, that is such a cynical ending. You know, like, yes. no matter what you do in life, you cannot escape your your um, your fate. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, show a little bit of kindness to people because karma comes around and bites you on the ass. And I was like, wow. I mean, that is literally a film about karma. But oh, give I- it cut. Car- but the wrong people get it, you know, like right, the good yeah. people that are trying their best, that are working in a bank, that are struggling to get their, you know, promotion. And then, and they're the ones that are going to get it in the neck in the end when it should That's have been so the bank true. manager, really, that, you yeah. know, so it's got such a cynical message in that film. But I absolutely love it because of the demon goat and the scary, uh, the scary gypsy woman who oh is terrifying. Yes, yes. I mean, the the scene in the bar <laughs> when yes. the scene at the funeral when the dead when the mouth is on her chin is the craziest thing I've Duking ever up. seen. Yeah, like it's grim. He has such a good way of figuring out kind of like he is the best antidote to Rob Zombie that exists because when Rob Zombie sees like mm. a line, he goes to the other side in the dark way. And when Sam Raimi sees a line, he like leans over with comedy. So it he like brings some light into the dark. And that's just such a good, like Drag Me to Hell is a great example of that because Evil Dead planted it. And while there are some elements of it in Spider-Man, I love that, you know, with Drag Me to Hell, he was really returning. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you. Yes. Right. Let's hit another ditty. Thank you for so yeah. much for bringing up Drag Me to Hell. Yes, I might watch that after the, after this podcast, actually. Yeah, I I've got I a taste for Drag Me to Hell now. <laughs> Here we go. And the thing about it, the thing about it is that, like, unfortunately, they are really good at, at horror. You know what I'm saying? And they love, they want to do the comedy. And don't get me, don't get it twisted. You know what I'm saying? Xena, the Warrior Princess, Hercules, yeah. all that stuff that they did those times were. Yeah, uh, I, I, I am a huge, huge Xena, the Warrior, the Warrior Princess fan. I'm right, huge, back. huge. Lucy Lawless, you know what I'm saying? All of them, all of us. Oh, genius. But um, I'm going to just say it like this. They had to throw a little bit of comedy in the mix to make it fucking, you know what I'm saying, viable. They had to, had to, had to. So if they didn't do it like that, then it would probably sucked. <laughs> I mean, Hercules was all right, but not as good as Xena. No way in hell. Hodge Boy is killjoy. Yay. Absolutely. I didn't even know that Sam Raimi was involved in Xena Warrior Princess. That's really uh, surprised me. I didn't know that about him. 
Yes. Yes. I mean, that's part of why I love, again, I mean, obviously I'm going back to driving to hell quickly, but that's why I love it because I remember growing up being like, who must this guy be? You know, here's what I know of him. I also loved Lena Warrior Princess because I'm a little bit of a, more of a tomboy. So I really liked, you know, sword fighting and things like this when I was a kid. Yeah. And I just love that. Zena was, you know, badass, but funny, because I think that's what I thought wanted to think I was. And he's just known how to nail that. And it's cool, because by the time he gets to drag me to hell, he's like, I can put her right in the middle. She's going to be Bruce Campbell 100. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor people. <laughs> that's all I can say. Poor yes. people. But what well, amazing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Did you but, watch uh, that? Um, no, I didn't. Around that time, I was, I was, I, I'm sad to say I was Buffy. No, uh, we okay. didn't have Xena. Okay. I don't think Xena was, I think Xena was shown on, um, Sky here in the UK, which I didn't have growing up, but Buffy was shown on the BBC. Right. So I could watch Buffy, but I don't, but I, um, I, I think the reason why we didn't watch Xena was because there wasn't a channel that we could get it on. But, um, That's yeah, cool. loved, loved that. But, uh, yeah, amazing. I I never realised that he was actively involved in that. So, yeah, thank you for that as well. I'm I'm learning loads today. Right yes. here we go. Next Wait. message. Also come. I was gonna say. Let me let me just quickly ask you a question because I I want to pick your brain since you brought up Buffy. I was thinking about with everything that's going on with Joss Whedon right now. Like, what if Sam Raimi did Buffy? And I kind of wish <gasps> that he did. I kind of wish it was him, because. I feel like, again, like, there's something interesting about how, like, Joss Whedon is in this conversation, and frankly, I haven't, I've I've never really been able to, like, go all the way with him, because he's, like, not keeping the elements of horror in it enough for me, and Sam Raimi is so good at doing that, like, Spider-Man 2 mm. is a horror movie, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, and, and it's probably also the reason why Sam Raimi has been chosen to direct um doctor strange to uh multiverse mm-hmm. of madness because there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of horror elements i think in that movie um obviously awesome. traveling through awesome. the multiverse and it's called the multiverse of madness yeah. so i can imagine there's going to be a lot of madness so um yeah i i yeah i'm just going to be completely honest with you i personally have never really liked joss whedon Good. like <laughs> I, obviously I love Buffy but I love Buffy for uh, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and the yes. characters you know yeah. and mm-hmm. even though some of the story storylines in Buffy some of them were really great um, I put that down more to the writers than to Josh Whedon like oh, like really? Sarah Michelle Gellar says you know she is very proud to be known for Buffy but she's not proud to be known as you know someone who is linked with Joss Whedon right right yeah I mean that so, that's the interesting thing because I'm with you I was never really a fan I only watched Buffy for her and I have always sort of been like when people are like he, he can do no wrong I'm like I don't know about that I'm not really down for his like comedy sci-fi because James Gunn is way better at that in my opinion yeah well, but... I think that Joss Whedon is going to be cancelled, and to be honest with you, I I don't blame people for doing that because he's no. a bit of an arse. I'm I'm cool but... with it. I want more yeah. Sam Raimi, less Joss Whedon. Let's let's pull for absolutely that kind of switch. 
Sam Raimi in charge of Buffy would just be fantastic. Yeah, maybe he'll reboot it for us. I'll write to him. I'll email him now. Dear Sam. <laughs> What's up, right. love you? Please do this. Um, okay, sorry. For please, please. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. No, I, I, I love that. I love that idea, definitely. Right, let's hear what Killjoy's up to. Unfortunately, Ooh. unfortunately, you know what I'm saying? We lost, uh, we lost, um... We lost Ares from freaking Xena. I forget his name. Uh, oh, shit. I feel I feel so bad now I can't remember his name. Kevin. 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 Ah, oh, I feel like crap now. I, I, you, you guys help me out with it. It's Kevin something. Uh, fuck. Anyway. Anyway, it's your boy Killjoy. Listen, listen, listen. Unfortunately, <laughs> when they went to the action side of things... They kept that comedy with it, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like a Josh Whedon, actually. But they, it wasn't strong wow. enough. It was, it, the comedy was there. The action was there. The action was there. First Spider-Man was, yeah, lit. Second Spider-Man, nah, litter. And then freaking, yeah, we don't talk about Spider-Man 3. We, they, I don't true. even think the Ravens talk about Spider-Man 3. How did your boys kill Joy? Yeah, dancing <laughs> in the street. Thinking, oh, God bless it. How did your boys kill Joy? They love their musicals, too, so don't forget that. Yes. That's so funny that he compared him to a Joss Whedon because that's exactly where we went just then. That's amazing. Where we went? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we were just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting. I, I do agree with you, though. I would much prefer um, Sam Raimi to be involved in anything, mm-hmm. like especially with Buffy. That would just be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Love that idea. Yep. Love it. Right, a couple yep. of messages to go. Yep. Here we go. Oh, I keep hitting the wrong Yes, button. it really does. It really does. And honestly, 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 these guys, these guys created the grimiest form of yeah. a demonic possession. You know what I'm saying? The Deadites are so fucking hardcore. And every yeah. movie they are in, someone's, you don't meet a Deadite and not get something out of that. You don't. You don't. Something happens. If you find a Deadite, something serious is about to go down. Yeah. Something serious is about to go down. And the <laughs> Raimi Bros made that. You have to disembody them. You still have to disembowel them. You have to cut them up in bits and pieces before, and they still moving right. around. Damn, damn, Ramies, damn, why? <laughs> God, I hope the guy. That's not the the, the 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 evil dead apocalypse is the worst apocalypse we could think of. Imagine Seriously. deadites, not zombies. Deadites running around everywhere. Oh huh. my God! How did your boys kill? Oh, <laughs> shit, still gets me goosebumps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he's he, right. That's so true. That would be the worst apocalypse. It'd be the worst. Yeah, because they're flying around going, <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm it's gonna true. get you. You're like, what the? Ah! No, oh, thank you. The worst. Um, yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy. I was gonna say something there, but I can't remember. Maybe I'll get it after this message. If the Ramies, if the Ramies did Buffy in a horror way, no way in hell that shit would. I mean, it would be it would be like on like one of the other other networks, USA or something like that. There, it wouldn't be on like what they used to call the WB. You know what I'm saying? AKA now the CW. You know what I'm saying? That would be yeah. way too much from way, 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 way too much from. Can you imagine every time Zena's uh, not Zena? I'm sorry. Every time freaking uh uh uh, uh Buffy saw a vampire, and it was like. <sighs> <laughs> it was like climbing walls, yeah. flipping shit, and disappearing into the darkness. And what? Can you imagine if Raimi did Buffy? Oh my God! How's your boy Killjoy? Jesus Christ! That shit would not be. That would be on. That would, yeah. it, it, would, it would make it to HBO. 
and Showtime and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? That's the only way we were able to do the Evil Dead series is we had to put that shit on stars. You know what I'm saying? And no, 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 no. It would be way too intense for regular kids. Hodge Boys killed Joy. Josh Reed was the right choice. Yes. I mean, hopefully... He's not yeah, wrong. Yeah, it, well, I mean, that's why I'd like him to reboot it so we could just do that on HBO or, like, on one of the streamers and really just go to wherever he wants because I agree, like, he probably would have tried to push it too hard. But I guess if he did Xena, it could have worked. I just, I do, mm. I did wish throughout Buffy there was, like, a little bit more uh, scares, you know? To me, like, it really didn't feel scary at all. And so I think that maybe Sam Raimi could have found a way to, at least maybe be like, oh shit, that was creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also, I think one thing you've got to remember is that the Buffy reboot would be playing up to the fans of the original series, which would now be, mm. you know, of a certain age. So therefore, you know, they would probably enjoy a more violent graphic Buffy yeah. than they were used to in the 90s because I mean uh, I suppose you know I, I don't want to do a disservice to like younger viewers um but mm-hmm. look at something like Sabrina Sabrina on um on Netflix you know mm-hmm. it didn't mm-hmm. do as well as I think they wanted it to but the people that really enjoyed watching it were people who mm-hmm. remember the classic series and wanted to see how they had reinvented it so yes. I think that People from like nineties kids, you know, like I'm I'm sort of a, a late sort of a mid to late nineties kid, uh mm-hmm. watching Buffy when I got home from school, you know. And I think that yes. the interest that I would have would be to see stories from like Sam Raimi, for example, existing in that universe. That would really excite me. Fresh eyes, people going into it fresh. I don't know. I think vampires is a massive uh, saturated, mm. uh, unfortunately yeah. saturated area, which ironically is because of Buffy. Just yeah, she kicked it off. She definitely was like, guys, it's cool. Let's bring it into everyday norm. Let's fall in love with it. Let's join in with it. It's true. She really did. That I think that's why I love that show. It was like really built. It created a whole new thing, and I guess that's. That's mm-hmm. what Sam Raimi's really good at too. So I guess I just associate him with that in that in that way. And yeah. because there were horror elements, you know, it is interesting that I don't know, like they're also both having their hand in Marvel now too, right? So there's something kind of interesting about that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Let's hit this ditty and then we'll move on to Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. Hey guys! Woo. Wow, Buffy. I've not seen Buffy in years. I'm after watch it after this. Um, I've got a question yes. for you. What is your favourite horror movie of all time? Whoa! Um, so hard. We like this question, don't we? We get we we've been asked this question a couple of times, and we we like this question. Mhm. I mean, mine, of course, is always Scream. Uh, it's my number one of all time. Yeah. But my my other number one of all time, like my more important answer, is also always Halloween. It's just so good. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna mix mine up this time. I'm Ooh. gonna I'm gonna say that my favorite horror movie of all time is Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. Ooh, I like that. 
I mean, if yeah. I had to pick my favorite, most horrifying David Lynch piece, it's got to be Eraserhead. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. Oh God, Isn't I'm I'm crazy. a Lynchian. I'm a I'm an utter. I've only got one tattoo on my body, and it's the owl logo from Twin Peaks. Get out! Oh, that's I love yeah. that you know, that you watch. <laughs> that makes me so happy. It's so good. I'm no, I'm you're... utter. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is my religion. I'm, I'm amazing. I drown in the Twin Peaks and David Lynch law. He's the only person yeah. that I think if I ever got the chance to meet, I think I would mm-hmm. die. Like, I don't think I think I'd just like, I don't think I'd be able to do it. I'd be too scared, too nervous. He's my he's my hero. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. It's a good, it's a, it's a really good, um, disturbing, um, yes. full of social issues. And you'll never be the same again when you walk away from that film. So good. Kyle MacLachlan, amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Evil Dead 2. Now, like we said said before, Evil Dead 2 was never meant to happen. Uh, It did Mm -hmm. happen, and therefore they thought they were going to have a lot of fun with it and make it into an all-out comedy. Did you enjoy the fact that they did that? Yes. Yes, I feel like when I'm going back and I want to rewatch and like get back in the vibe of this franchise, I usually go Evil Dead 2 because it's like a little bit tighter and cleaner. And the first one is unnerving in a way that is respectable, but like I want to have just a little bit more fun when I'm revisiting. So, I, yeah, I, I think they did accomplish that. Mm-hmm. So, the think? thing that Evil Dead 2, oh, well, yeah, I agree with you. And what I think Evil Dead does um, really well is up the ante like massively do you know what I mean you've got so many um, visual effects you know everything just seems to have been turned up to 11 and Mm -hmm. the physical comedy that Bruce Campbell puts him through he puts himself through in this movie is just you know you just look at him sometimes and you just think wow, you are so dedicated to this. Like, I don't think there's anyone else in the world that would do mm-hmm. half the things that he does in that film. Well, and could also be so incredibly, like, on cue, right? Like, there's also something so amazing about his ability to know that these things are coming, but not portray that in any way. Like, for a second, yeah. it doesn't look like he sees any of it coming, and that's what's so amazing about it. Because he, he absolutely knows. There's no way he can't. And the fact that he will just throw himself into something, full participation, no awareness, is so good. It, it's the exact thing that makes it so grounded. Why it's so fun to be like, yep, <laughs> that just happened. I think, I think uh, watching the documentary, I think one of the things that really stood out for me was sometimes he didn't know what was coming. <laughs> Which I think uh, was Sam Raimi's way of making it him sort of, you know, always on the edge, keeping that performance sort of always edgy Mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes um, Sam Raimi would just throw something at him, you know, and he'd just be like, whoa, (laughs) you know, and have to react to it. A little bit like like William Friedkin, who directed The Exorcist, used to keep guns around the set. So if any, if he wanted to get a reaction from an actor 
and he wasn't getting the reaction that he wanted, he'd just fire off a gun and get that startled reaction from them. And um, Jesus. Yeah, a couple of the actors. Uh, Max, I always get his name mixed up, so I'm just going to call him Max, who played Father okay. Merrin in The Exorcist, had to go up to William Freakin to say, don't ever do that again. <laughs> like, stop doing yeah, that. You can't do that, yeah. You can't wow. do that. And apparently, like, he'd walk onto set and ask the, uh, like, one of the sound guys, like, where were the guns kept today? You know? So, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't as extreme as that, you know, Sam Raimi was still throwing <laughs> some, like, some dead-ass tricks out of the bag to keep Bruce Campbell on his toes, like, hitting him with sticks and God knows what. I just felt so <laughs> sorry for him when I was I mean... listening to the experiences that he went through. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like in one way it's mistreatment, but another way it sort of resembles play. And it's like they met as boys. And there's something really Mm -hmm. fun about how even when they're like making this movie and they're like spending big money and like being big people, they're they're still like throwing sticks at each other and laughing about it. Like thinking it's funny. Oh, God, yeah. Silly, silly stuff. (laughs) It's so sweet. It's such a sweet thing. (laughs) It's just a continuation of their of their childhood. Exactly. It's so I love <laughs> that they got to do it. And I kind of love always revisiting this because I love thinking of that, that like right after these things happened, they were just laughing together. Yeah. It's so good. Um, one of the things that really stands out for me is obviously they up the ante on the effects. Like there's like the effect of uh, I think it's the old totally. woman. Mm-hmm. Um, who is in the cellar, uh, absolutely terrifying, and oh. is played by Sam Raimi's brother. Um, it's by Ivan? Ram- yeah, Ivan. Ivan Raimi plays that old old woman in the movie. Apparently, um, he was he was only 20 at the time, and Sam Raimi said to him, like, come on, bro, come and, come down to the set and we'll find something for you to do. Little did he know that he was going to be playing one of the scariest demons in, in you know, horror film history. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was uh, Ivan Raimi encased in, 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 that, in that suit. And, you know, a lot of... There, there are scenes in that film where that could have really ended in disaster. You know, there was that series yes. on recently about, like, purse uh, film set. And I think that the Evil mm-hmm. Dead 2 could have easily have become one of those sets because there was a scene when, um, you know, when the 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 the, um, the hick, you know, like the the hillbilly guy gets dragged down into the cellar and then blood just yes. explodes out from the cellar door. Well, apparently yes. in that scene that when yeah. when the blood burst out, it hit the guy like so hard in the face that the blood went in his mouth, up his nose. And he was joking. Like, he was he was joking. Like, and they had to pull him out. And he was like, he, he, he said if he was down there for any longer, he probably would have choked to death. Holy so they were shit. really... I didn't... Yeah. I mean, they yeah, were I guess that's on the, the interesting... Edge. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about, like, when a filmmaker makes a movie with nothing and then gets a lot of money, sometimes they do push the limit in these ways. And I guess hopefully what happened here is he just didn't have enough money to drown that guy, right? Like he had enough to almost drown that guy, but thankfully not enough to do it. But geez, I mean, 
I love, I think that's also why I revisit because I love all that stuff, but I have no idea, uh, I guess, like how yeah. insanely creative they were getting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think, I think also Evil Dead 2 ups the ante with comedy, ups the ante with the horror. Um, they also mm-hmm. have a bigger budget. You have to remember the budget they get is, is so much more. It's in the millions now. The Evil Dead too. Oh, wow. Uh, but but I love the fact that even though they make everything so much bigger within the effects and stuff like that, they also keep the mm-hmm. location the same. Um, apparently in the first script, the thing that Sam Raimi didn't like about the first script was mm-hmm. that it takes it out of the cabin. So they were going to take it into like a city, you know, and do it mm. as sort of the next step like that. But I think okay. that the reason why Sam Raimi didn't like that idea was because, you know, he didn't feel like they perfected the first film. So therefore they wanted to make the second film in that similar setting to perfect things. Right. And obviously Mm -hmm. that makes sense after the third film, because that really is, you know, they ain't, they ain't in no cabin anymore in the third film. (laughs) That's true. You know, (laughs) they, they go big and they don't go home. In the, in, the, mm-hmm. in the third film. Um, and they nail it, too. Obviously, the the uh, the scene that stands out for pretty much everybody, I think, in Evil Dead 2 is the scene when Ash cuts off his hand. Yes. So insane. And then his hand becomes like a maniacal, you know, um, it from the Adams Family. I love it. I um, love that. Yes. Uh, amazing effects. Did you like that? I mean, that is proper slapstick comedy. Did you like the way that that went? Yes. Yes. Because usually when I'm showing people this movie for the first time who like don't understand what they're about to see, that scene is really helpful because people are like, oh, here we are at the line of absurdity really being joyful. And so that's usually when people are like, okay, now I get like why this is so crazy gory. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. there's something nice about how that scene really helps everybody get right on the same page. Because, again, you know, Bruce Campbell's killing it. But then I love how, you know, that is also sort of Bruce Campbell, like preparing to turn into a superhero because he kind of becomes a superhero by the end going into the third. Yeah. And also, if you think about um, the the element of going into the third movie they are really expanding that story and Mm -hmm. the thing that always the thing that i really love about that sequence with the hand is Mm -hmm. it it's almost like a little nod and a wink to what is to come because that absurd comedy really is turned up to like a 12 in the third film so i think that this was really a test to see how audience would react to that kind of comedy Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, they reacted well. It's gone down as one of the biggest cult movies in film history, Evil Dead 2. So, mm-hmm. And I think that once they really realised what their audience liked, mm-hmm. that's when they really honed it in and started to make it just really good. Oh, so true. So incredibly true. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I just love that. I just love that so much, that sequence with the hands and everything. So, mm-hmm. so inventive and clever and 
just somewhere you never expected this sort of you know series to go after the first no no like there there truly is a vision behind it all even if that vision is sort of bore in real blood and guts <laughs> it's still such an yeah. expansive thing and i i love that i guess he didn't forget that you know that like he had started in a place kind of could get discouraged by like the biz but didn't really fall to that because i guess he had his best bud no that's it and obviously again Again, I mean, this guy gets the worst luck. Again, mm-hmm. he's the sole survivor. <laughs> so true. I love it. Like, he's the, he's the last one standing in the cabin at the end. And then, obviously, the big twist happens with a portal opening up and pulling him through into um, the me- medieval times. Yep. Yep. Do you, remember your, do you remember your reaction to that the first time you saw it? Yes, I was like, what? And I sort of remember being like, kind of mad. <laughs> like being like, wait, you... wait. Yeah. You know, like being a little like, hold on, guy. And then <laughs> when I saw Army of Darkness, I was like, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> I was fully on board. But for some reason, yeah. like, I just really associate medieval time movies with like something specific. And so I was kind of like, you're going to, like, Monty Python it? Like, what's happening? Because <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like. And I guess, like, ultimately, I, yeah. I'm cool with that. <laughs> no, but I was going to ask you, um, if they didn't make Army of Darkness, would you have been satisfied with the ending of Evil Dead 2? No, no. I guess, like, the, it was a really good way of making me be like, but I do have to see what happens. I gotta know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mm, yeah. Um, I personally think that it would have gone down as like one of the the weirdest and and like nonsensical endings of a film series ever. But I do <laughs> feel like that if that is how it would have ended, it definitely would have got a reboot by now, like in the modern era. If mm-hmm. not, it would have had, and it has had. Let's not forget, Evil Dead has got comic books novels computer games um i honestly do think that all those things would have happened even if the series had ended after evil dead 2 but Mm -hmm, i I think that if we hadn't had army of darkness i uh, i still think we would have had some kind of reboot or evil dead 3 in some manifestation like by now if that makes sense absolutely Absolutely. They would have tried to figure out how to round it out. And I guess that's what I love about Army of Darkness is they did figure out a way to round it out. It just totally subverts your expectations. And it's absurd, again, and in the best way. Like, Bruce Campbell is doing what he does best. And, you know, Sam Raimi is, like, at the peak of, like, I'm having the best time with this. It's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you... No, absolutely. do you want to slide into Army of Darkness and just sort of pop it open? Um, or like? Anything? Oh, yeah. 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 Anything else about Let's... Evil Dead 2? No, I think it's a nice segue to go from that twist ending into uh, Army of Darkness. Should we hit some ditties uh, very quickly before we slide into Darkness yes. of Army? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, Buffy didn't just start that. Buffy started a whole a whole genre. 
Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Buffy, we would have Angel. If it wasn't for Angel, we wouldn't have yeah. Supernatural. If it wasn't yeah. for Supernatural, we would have... That's when the superhero stuff started too, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And they actually put that foot out there. CW did, or WB at the time, put their yeah. foot out there. It was like, okay, we're going to try something different. We're going to have something yeah. new. Because remember, before that, all we had was stuff like Dawson's Creek and yeah. freaking... and ugh, ugh, I can't remember <laughs> the others, but they were crappy. How's your boy Real Killjoy? Bad, I'm just saying. How's your boy Killjoy? <laughs> True. Don't diss Dawson's Creek. I love Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I'm joking. I hate it. <laughs> really? Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah, I, I could never understand. I was younger than them, like quite a lot younger than them when it was on TV, and I still I didn't understand what they were talking about. Like, mm. who? What sixteen-year-old uses words like they used to use? They don't. Mm. It was it was it was strange. I but, went back uh, and watched. Yeah, no, it I think after. you're right. Yeah, like, I didn't watch it live because I was too young as well. I watched it after because of Kevin Williamson. And I was like, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Definitely don't care for the, like, nonsense love story stuff. It's pretty stupid, but... (laughs) um, Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Not enough murders for me. Yeah, the WB really did figure something out by leaning. I love that chain that he listed. That's perfect. But I think that um, Dawson's Creek really helped Kevin Williamson when it came to writing those teen slasher films. That's because so true. He rounded off the characters. You know, he created, um, you know, really well fleshed out characters that just mm-hmm. happened to be in a situation of a horror movie. So yeah. I thought that I think that yeah. writing Dawson's Creek actually um, gave Check us brilliant, good characterizations in Scream. And I know what you did last summer, and all those uh, franchises that we've spoken about in the past. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Right. Let's hit a ditty. I'm not good at pushing this button today. Sorry, guys. Uh, not to change the there subject, guys, but I love being in this room. You guys are talking the realness. You know what I'm saying? I love talking about movies and stuff, horror movies and all kinds of stuff like that. There. And I would love to invite you guys to come out to my show tonight. It's called Smokers Corner. Uh, I don't know if y'all smoke. If y'all smoke, then word up. If y'all don't smoke, then come on down and just listen to some high people joke around about stuff. We talk about <laughs> movies. We talk about freaking alien abductions, abductions. We talk about all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. So, see, I love for you all to come in and chime in sometime. You know, it's your boy Killjoy. Uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's Smokers Corner every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at eleven thirty. If you're gonna be up for that time, eleven thirty Eastern Standard Time. If you're gonna be up for that time, hopefully Sweet. it will be. And I'll see you in there. How your boys, Killjoy? Very oh, cool. thanks for the invite, Killjoy. Um, I personally will be fast asleep by then because of the uh, the time difference. But uh, appreciate the invite. Thank you very much, man. Right, who's next? Here we go. Henrietta is the deadite in the fruit cellar, and it was played by she was played by Ted Raimi, not oh, Ivan. Ted. Oh yeah, but Ted Raimi. Amazing. Oh, thank you. You know what? I, I went. I know that. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I went with Ted start with and then i suddenly realized no that can't be right because i i, I completely got my Raimi brothers mixed up but thank you very much for the uh the correction we always always appreciate uh fact checking yeah um, on here because we talk about so much so many things and sometimes some uh information can get jumbled but uh yes thank you very much ted Raimi, and i should have known that because uh, just going back to what we were talking about before, Ted Raimi actually appears in an episode of Twin Peaks. Nice. 
Yeah, Amazing. for one episode, he gets killed off by Windermel quite quickly. But uh, mm. yeah, that's circling back. Right, who's wow. next? Hello. But don't forget, Kildare. don't forget, in the Army of Darkness, they still go back to a cabin where yeah. he fights the freaking little three, the, the three, the, 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 little, the mini, the mini ashes. He fights the mini ashes when the creation of the alpha axe, the, 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 neg- the negative axe, uh, axe, I'm sorry, ash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. actually did come back to the cabin in Riffigan Army of Darkness. And it wasn't the same exact cabin, but it was a cabin. How did your boy kill Joy? Yeah. Yeah, like a windmill. Yeah. Like a windmill. You are correct. Mm-hmm. The little the little ashes. Oh my god. Just it's just crazy. It's just so, it's so crazy. cool. Yeah, like amazing editing in that scene. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. Right, two more messages and then we're gonna crack on with Army of Darkness. Oh, you mean El Jefe. El Jefe, the, the superhero El Jefe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, Ash is a superhero. He is, yep. he's in video games, man. Yes. <coughs> he's got video games, man. And they're not slack jaw either. Have you ever played, um, have you ever played, um, Dead Before Dawn? Nah, Dead Before Dawn. Freaking, you could play as Ash Ash in there, and it, it's, it's awesome, yeah. it's awesome, it's awesome. You guys survive and stuff like that, and. You know what I'm saying? You got people coming after you, things coming after you, whatnot. You know what I'm saying? It's cool as hell. But then there's also freaking um, Dead, by, Dead Before Dawn. I think, I, think wow. I said that, Dead Before Dawn. Yeah, yeah, I just, just said that. Dead Before Daylight, Dead Before Dawn. Whatever, anyway, <laughs> same, same game, same game. Still the shit. How's your boy Killjoy? The man's in video games. The man's in video games. El Jefe. <laughs> I don't know how much of the show you watch, but El Jefe. Yes. How's your boy yes. Yes. Thank you, Killjoy. Yes, it, it's Dead by Daylight, and you can pay, play various... Uh, movie franchise killers like Michael, Ghostface, Freddy Krueger, and wow. yeah, Ash is one of them, which is really good. It's a really good fun game. I don't play many computer games, but they're the games that I that I like to play. Yeah, I haven't ever played, and I kind of love that that exists. Like, I I didn't know that was a thing because I always think like, oh, if you're in this situation, like, what would you do? And it's like in a video game, you can play that. <laughs> you can go ahead and troubleshoot it in real time. Yeah, I'm going to blow your mind with a fact um, in a moment, just after this message, but I'm going to blow your mind with something. Um, I think it will go into sort of like the uh, what if um, sort of part of, you know, horror movie history. But I'll uh, I'll bring it up in a moment. Bear with me. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Last message. Here we go. Oh, this has been my favorite show on your today. Thanks, guy. Oh, Oh, that's fine. Thanks, Particle. Awesome. Oh, glad to be of service, sir. Totally. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah. So, um, here is something that will blow your mind, although you probably know it, but it might blow the mind of at least one of our listeners. So mm. I'm hoping it will. But um, after the success of the film Freddy vs. Jason, there was a treatment put through for Freddy vs. Jason 2, which was going to include Ash. <gasps> That would have been sick. Oh, I hope in that, fact, that may be still possible to do. They did release a limited comic book called Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash in 2007. Sick. It was six issues. Mm-hmm. I personally haven't, I haven't read that. But uh, I'll give you a very, very brief uh, plot summary of what it would have been, okay? So... Set in December 2008, five years after the events of Freddy vs. Jason, and Mm -hmm. 16 years after the end of Army of Darkness. 
The story begins with Real, Will Rollins and Laurie Campbell, mm-hmm. her, the former protagonist from Freddy vs. Jason, this returning to Crystal Lake to put closure to their experience. But Jason kills them what, um, a short while after and takes their decomposing corpses to his shack in the woods nearby. There, Amazing. Jason enters a trance. And Freddy and Jason's, um, and Freddy, and as Jason's mother, appears to him. Freddy Krueger is now trapped, powerless inside the mind of Jason Voorhees, where he learns of the Necronomicon, hidden in the old Voorhees home with the power to resurrect him. So he and Jason's mother, uh, false Pamela Voorhees, convince Jason that if he gets the Necronomicon, Jason will become a real boy. Meanwhile, Ash Williams is called to the new Crystal Lake S-Mart to give his retail expertise to to its team of teenage slacker employees. While there, he uh, he, uh, interprets a nearby Jason murder as the work of the Deadites. And later, mm. he follows a group of teens to the Voorhees house, where he finds the Necronomicon before Jason appears, killing the teens. Mm-hmm. At the S-Mart, Jace and the employees begin to make a plan to deal with Jason. However, he ends up killing mostly everyone in the store and escaping with the evil book. Freddy uses the, ne- yeah, Freddy uses the Necronomicon to restore himself to full power and increase Jason's intelligence. Later, mm. when Ash and the survivors sleep, they are confronted by Freddy in their dreams. Ash yes. and his motley crew of S-Mart employees confront <laughs> Freddy and Jason at the Voorhees home, where Freddy has already unleashed the full power of the Necronomicon, giving him reality-altering powers. Whoa. In the I know. In the final confrontation between the three horror movie icons, mm. Freddy resurrects all of Jason's previous victims from Friday the 13th films as what? Deadite. What? Oh my after God. Ja- I know. After Jason, after Jason turns on him and turns the Voorhees home into the Elm Street. He, sorry. After Jason turns on him, um, he turns the Jason home into the Elm Street house. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Ash uses the Necronomicon to open a portal, banishing Freddy to the Deadite world, whilst Jason and the Necronomicon are isolated underneath the frozen Crystal Lake. So, so they could unfreeze at any time, huh? Yeah, to bring him back for another one. Yeah. Wow. Wow, they're both put into a place where if we wanted to, we could get them back. But they're also like, uh, I guess, like uh, defeated by Ash. Wow. Absolutely. So so just that a little side note mind. here. You so the cancelled field adaptation following the box office success and ambiguous ending of the crossover of Freddy versus Jason, plans mm-hmm. were made to follow up the film based on the storyline of the comic sequel which delved into the concept of including Ash Williams of the Evil Dead horror franchise 
and reoccurring characters from both A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. However, mm. following creative differences between New Line Cinema and Bruce Campbell, the film mm. was scrapped. Oh, shit. Mm. Mm. Damn. I mean, yeah. that's a bummer. That would have been epic. It really would. I well, mean, hopefully that can still happen because you know how these things are in contracts for like 100 years. So hopefully... yeah. We get to a place where we can see that because that, that is how you tie them together. You know, Freddy versus Jason was pretty loose tying them together, but wow, what a smart way to take each piece yeah. that deserves to be linked and link it. Wow. What I would say is the only problem is, you know, they've got um, obviously Robert England would have to come back as Freddy, and he's, he's getting a little bit old now, so they need to get a move on and make this movie. That's true. That's true. I mean, but at least we have at least we have a plot, you know, from the comics. Mm-hmm. At least we know what the story would have been, which is uh, ultimately awesome. like really good. But um, yes, uh, let's hit the city very quickly, and then we're going to move on with. Do you all um, think that anybody else could ever take over the role of the character of Ash? Mm, I mean, that's a good question. I have to hope because I want this thing to keep going. So. I really am optimistic that we can just find someone who has studied it and really, you know, wants to do the character of Ash service and hopefully we can get it because, you know, like, like we were talking about a little bit earlier with drag me to hell, um, Alison Lohman like really does get there. And I think if, if we could just find someone as good as her, then we could definitely have somebody be Ash. I just don't know who that is right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I would say yes. Um, I think it would have to be a complete fresh take. Um, mm. I don't think, and this is going to be controversial, I know, but I don't think that necessarily the recasting of Ash needs to be gender specific. Mm-hmm. So we could have an Ash, which I think they did actually in the remake of Evil Dead, where they had, yes. you know, the the main protagonist was female. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't. I don't see why that would that would be a problem. I think that. I think ultimately they're going to have to if they want to continue the franchise on. They're going to have to recast it, or even better, create someone completely new. Mm. You know, it doesn't have yeah, I mean, to be Ash. You know, it could be cool also to do sort of like the Riverdale thing and kind of turn the Evil Dead back into something that's a little less absurd but also like hinting at and planting Easter eggs and sort of playing with mm. some of what was set up. Because I do like the idea of reimagining or finding sort of like a story that can fit in, you know, Cloverfield style. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I would love to see stories that exist in the Evil Dead universe, but don't necessarily tie to things that we know already. Ditto. Yeah. Ah, I love it. So, I love this franchise yeah. so much because but, it is so full I of know. possibility. But to answer your question directly, um, I don't think personally anyone could take the mantle of of Ash. I don't think that anyone could replace Bruce Campbell's performance because I think it's just absolutely iconic. But I yes. do think that, that the franchise can move forward um, maybe with somebody else uh, playing only... uh, a, a similar role. 
Yeah, I was going to say only a reimagining because you're right. Like nothing, nothing will ever be able to replace Bruce Campbell. But if you tried to reimagine mm. the character, there could be something there. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know if that would really be able to do it justice, though. You know, like there's something so wonderful about the tone and the the vibe of this universe that I think is mm-hmm. why I love Army of Darkness so much, too. They're just fully in their own world in the best way. Absolutely. Uh, the lovely Joseph has just sent us a reply to his question. So let's play this very quickly. And then we'll Maybe they can do a show with his daughter from the show, um, yeah. from the TV show. You know, Ash versus Evil Dead. Season three, he had a daughter, and maybe they can do a movie series or whatever, kind of like based upon her. Yeah, that would be. Pissed. I think that's a great idea. Mhm. Ditto. I think that's the best way to move it forward is to do it as like a, da- a daughter thing, like a relative. Yeah. I think that would work really, really well. Definitely. Um. Excellent. So. Um, let's talk about Army of Darkness. Yeah. Okay. Like I said at the very beginning of the show, this was my first experience in the Evil Dead universe. Mm-hmm. I saw this film. I must have probably been about seven or eight. And it was just on. Perfect. And my dad was watching it. And I remember like being really amused by it. And uh, yeah, I just remember finding it hilarious scary in some ways but obviously having seen like we said you know those really old you know stories based on greek mythology jason and the argonauts and stuff i didn't find it mm-hmm. scary right um so yeah i i love the um the absurdist humor even though you said earlier and this is really funny actually you mm. said that um you know when you think of a film set back in uh sort of the medieval times you think of monty python i don't (laughs) think this strays far from monty python if i'm honest yeah yeah like i think that's part of why i do also love it because it is reminding me of those things and i do love the monty python all of it so it's like i (laughs) it was that thing where i think i guess i was nervous because i'm like hey hey but I think he definitely joined in in a good way, right? Like, he, it's almost like he's both paying homage and trying to create a new way of, of modernizing or talking about the absurdity of medieval times with, like, the 80s, or I guess the 90s modernization of it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I just love that. I just love the fact that it is so a proper good. all-out comedy. There are so many elements in there that remind me of, you know, not just um, horror movies or comedies, but also like kids films. Like there's a, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, is this like a sequel to Willow? You know, because it has those really fantastical elements of like little people, like little, you know, like mini ashes running around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all this stuff going by. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, oh my God, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's just, um, it's a complete fantasy. It, it just goes down a completely different route of, you've got horror, comedy, but then you have that extra fantastical fairy tale element to it as well. It's just mm-hmm. a massive flash of genres, which I really love. 
So true. So true. It's like, it's another pinnacle moment in his career where, you know, he's just nailing kind of everything and really found the groove of this universe and of this story. And I, I love, you know, the, that feeling of like a kid's movie too, because, you know, like that scene in the graveyard with all the skeleton hands coming up, he's doing three stooges with them. You know, Bruce Campbell's like putting his hand up to, you know, get poked in the eyes and stuff, like moving his head around uh, these skeleton hands. And it's like such a little hilarious whack-a-mole dance. And we're so both so far away from how scary it once was, but also so close still because we're with Bruce Campbell in the same kind of way. He just happens to be being assaulted a little bit softer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, uh, yeah. How do you feel about the third one in terms of like, you know, it having less of that, I guess, like over the top blood in lieu of maybe some other cool stuff because there's still some pretty cool, I guess, like ideas and there's definitely some deadites, but I don't know. What do you think? I think, hmm. Hang on one second. My phone, my, is, uh, can you hear me okay? My phone's cutting out slightly. Uh, yes, I can hear you. Okay. It cut out slightly there. Uh, just repeat that question, sorry. It cut out slightly in the middle. No, no problem. I was going to say, like, what do you think about how there's not exactly the same kinds of violence in the third one? You know, that it is like a different kind of experience of the Deadites and kind of horror itself. Like, do you do you feel that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the, the Deadites are more out for comic effect. Yeah, I feel like that there's... Um, you know, a lot more slapstick in there. This, Like I said, this has turned up to 12. So the slapstick mm-hmm. element is uh, also, you know, massively uh, overplayed. Not not overplayed, but played up to the map. And I fe- therefore, I think that some, something has to give. I mean, there are still some really, you know, gruesome moments, like when he's fighting that, that dead eye in the pit. You know, that's there's some pretty <laughs> stuff going on in there. Um right. But, yeah, so I, I just feel like even though it's not as gruesome or scary as the previous two, I do feel like it doesn't necessarily need to be because it's trying to steer it into a different genre. And I, I think, think that, that it succeeds like that. Yes, exactly. I mean, Army of Darkness is the reason why I think Sam Raimi might have been able to do Buffy legit because he does have the ability to rein it in appropriately and sort of give each fan base of what is here right now a taste of what they like. You know, if you really liked this piece, it's there. But if you also begin to really like this new piece, it's going to be there even more to hopefully continue to pull you to this this wider universe. Mm. Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? No, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, there's two completely different cuts of army of darkness you know there's so much cut out of the original film if you get the blu-ray or if you manage to find a copy with extras uh, mm-hmm. you'll see they cut out a hell of a lot of stuff about um from smart you know like because mm-hmm. he's working smart there's almost like two different cuts of army of darkness and so two weird. of them both work on different levels and i do think that 
I think the UK got a different ending to the US, you know, so it, it even goes down that route of of mixing it all up. And um, yeah, I think so that for me, Go ahead. yeah, but I don't, for me, if I remember rightly, the, the UK version doesn't end with him going back. Mm. Um, but I think the US version does. Am I correct? And he's working in S-Smart again at the end. Yes, I think it had to do with like American audiences not liking the like, like thinking the ending was too bleak because I do remember hearing about how oh, yes. it had different endings. And it's like, that's, that's the reason why stupid studio executives keep thinking they can make creative choices because they are too interested in like pleasing an audience in a moment rather than pleasing an audience over the long term. I've just remembered. So the the British ending is that he goes into that that sort of pod thing or that thing that to make him like survive going forward in time, so that he wakes up back in his own time. Mm-hmm. But he over he oversleeps and wakes up in a post apocalyptic world. So he oversleeps. Yes. That's the ending that we got in the UK. He oversleeps. Um, the Deadites have taken over um, like far in the future and it's like a post-apocalyptic desolate wasteland that he wakes up in. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like I I see why they think that's like quote-unquote bleak because I guess he doesn't like win in the end which like ironically I like that Sam Raimi can do both but there's something kind of cool about if if that ending was allowed to be then we would really have like this Doctor Who vibe going on where like we could go anywhere. And I guess I kind of wish we had that opportunity as opposed to just trying to close it out, which I guess American franchises are always trying to do, especially in the 80s, 90s. Um, Yeah, but also I I think that it opens it up to more storytelling. So therefore, even though I'm glad that it, um, worked out how it did because otherwise we wouldn't have got Ash versus Evil Dead. True. Um, you know, because the ending, they would have had to find a, a way to sort of bring that ending. Um, and I think that the budget for Ash versus Evil Dead probably didn't stretch to a post apocalyptic world. True. But, True. Like, that's that's expensive. So, yeah. So I'm actually quite glad that we got uh, the American ending did happen because then it has been able to lead the story to be expanded that's so cool whereas i think because i think we both think think, the exact same thing but with the other versions and i wonder if that's because of the yeah you know we like both (laughs) well no i just think that with there's two very different paths to go to to go down isn't there two very different paths you've got the path that they went down with ash versus evil dead but then you have the path that they could have gone down if they if they'd continued with the post-apocalyptic story which could be told but then i don't think necessarily would be as interesting because i I was thinking it was more like a time travel story and so like he's not not necessarily he's like always going to be trying to get home but ending up in like random spots planet of the apes style like never really being able to correctly shoot for home because something felt a little back to the future about that to me yeah no, absolutely. There's a massive dollop for Back to the Future in the film, hundred mm-hmm. percent. 
but I just I just don't think that um, if they like it'd be too. Different. I, I just think like you know, frankly, it'd be, it'd it would be too different. Go also, away. And also, my reservation is that if they did the post-apocalyptic thing, we we've we've got that quite a lot at the moment with shows like The Walking Dead. So true. Um, you know. So well, it would go down I, the I, wrong I, kind of pathway of comedy and absurdity, and it would kind of get farther away from that gore, that fun, that like pop. Mm. And so I agree that I feel yeah. like at the end of the day, it, I'm glad that they did create that and open up that pathway because I think that's what makes Army of Darkness so great. Is that like even though he's in medieval times or whatever, like he has such a modern presence, he is really like still bringing us with him. And I also love mm-hmm. that there's like a Bill and Ted's vibe going on. I think that's why I liked the idea of the other yeah. version. That was like Ash versus, you know, Bill and Ted. <laughs> oh, no, I trust me. I think that would be amazing. I think I've got my um, my head on of, you know, what would a studio be able to achieve better? Mm. Would they be able to achieve the apocalyptic time travel element? Or would they be able to achieve the, you know... Ash, I love it. Still, still working at Smart, um, and then st- stuff happens around that, and it brings it into sort of the modern day, you know, taking it out of the cabin and bringing it into modern situations, which uh, you know works as well. So I feel like yeah. yeah, I like I like that there's that comic universe too where people can explore because I feel like that's what's great about comics is they can sort of give you the visual experience that a studio really can't afford to do. <laughs> I mean, they can, but not without like four hundred million dollars or whatever. So I appreciate yeah, and the smarter one that lets me have a movie instead of just a crazy uh, like fan service situation. Oh, goodness, yeah. And don't think that um, Evil Dead is, um, you know, just isolated to the continuation of Freddy versus Jason. There's loads, like Dark Horse Comics uh, Mm -hmm. did a series. Uh, Dynamite Entertainment have done um, continuations of Army of Darkness. Nice. Um, There's a Revenge of series. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Oh, my goodness. There's like there's loads. The Revenge of series does look quite weird. Revenge of Evil Dead Two, Revenge of Jack the Ripper. So I'm Mm. thinking that they're going to bring all these people back as Deadites. I love it. I love that. Um, (laughs) I'm so grateful for all of the mediums that like these amazing things can now stretch to. And you know, to think it was just a fifty thousand dollar movie that a bunch of friends made and look at how far it's been able to come and go and how special it is to so many people. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. So uh, let's hit the rest of these ditties. And then um, I think, I think we're pretty much um, up to date with our evil dead. Yeah. We got to wrap this thing up, even though I hate to do that. (laughs) I know. I know. So let's hit these last ditties from our listeners. Thank you very much, guys, for listening, especially if you've been here from the beginning. Uh, Mm -hmm. Much appreciated. Please do follow me and the lovely Shani B, of course, because uh, we'll be back in, uh, well, very, very shortly with another movie franchise to be be talked about. So here is the next question. Boo, boo, we can't work it out. We got to work it out. 
See, this is why I wish I was one of those millionaire billionaires. I've I'd heard this story and be like, hell no, I'm going my way to Hollywood right now. I'm gonna talk to Bruce. I'm gonna talk to the fucking new line. We're gonna work this out. Fuck the bullshit. Hollywood right? boys killed you. God <laughs> damn, man. Just because of back backstage, because that storyline sounds right. That yes, story sounds right. right. Oh my god. Mm, excuse me. Yes, yes, yes. Hell yes, <laughs> hell yes. Hollywood your boy Killjoy. That that. Mm, thank you for dropping that knowledge on me, bro. I didn't even know that was a yes. thing. Damn, now I'm, I'm kind of sad that I know it was almost a thing, but now it's not. Damn, damn, killed my joy. <laughs> your boy is killed joy, yay. I uh, hope you guys get this message. Oh, uh, sorry, Killjoy. Sorry we killed your joy, Killjoy. Um, but yes, you can hunt out the comics. I've just had a very quick uh, gander on eBay. The comics are readily available, so maybe that would be quite nice. To, uh, nice. to find those and have a proper read of the whole story. Dope. Here we go. Next one. This is the first time I've actually used um, stereo app like this. Massive fucking Evil Dead fan. Uh, literally <laughs> just finished the, the, um, the TV show um, a couple of weeks ago on Netflix when season two and three um, was finally announced. Um, nice. You know what? I think... No, like Bruce Campbell is just so fucking good. Um, really if I had to think of anybody, an actor out there, I do remember reading an article with, I think, Jake Gyllenhaal. And he Ooh. was saying that when he was studying his acting theatre, thespian, whatever they do, um, I think in Juilliard or wherever, I don't know. Um, yeah. One of the, I think there's like, when you break, you know, the... Um, Jeez, I'm so, I'm that old that I don't remember how how you, how education works. But like for like one of like his um, <laughs> projects or something like that, he had to use something physical, and he he had to do and he based his physical scene that he had to put to the class. Well, I think that it? might be continued. Yeah, let's get it. That's it. You know what? I'm sorry. You guys are just keeping me up. Um, basically, yeah, he's take <laughs> he has to take the drops. You know, he has to, I think he has to take like seven drops or something like that. I haven't seen it in ages. But he does the drops and then he hears like something rustling in the bushes and then he turns his head. And the last drop that he took, let's say if it was like five, he goes back and he counts the number five again. So he takes one more drop and then he wakes up in like the bleak, in bleak London. I think you see like Big Ben in the background and he's got like the big ass beard. Um, but once again, going back to say like the reboot of the franchise, I, th- I think the reason why I would... I mean, obviously, if you can continue the story with other characters, but the reason why I would love to see the character still played by Bruce Campbell isn't because of the love of Bruce Campbell, but because I feel that he has a story that needs to be finished. Mm. You know, there's the whole politics already, you know, like you guys are talking about, you know, in regards to, like, the Army of Darkness, you know, UK version has got one ending. We should keep rolling. Mm, absolutely. There's so many different endings. If you... Uh, are lucky enough to still collect physical media like me. Uh, yeah. There is there is a, there's a special edition Army of Darkness that has all those endings on it and a lot of deleted scenes as well. But ah, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, really, really appreciate you guys coming and getting involved. Thank you, uh, Rish reviews, uh, much appreciated. Mm-hmm. We should just go ahead and transfer it over to his darling. They did in the show. I mean, in the show, the daughter became a beast, though. She started becoming a badass little bitch, you know what I'm saying? Excuse me for cursing. But she started, and by the end of the series, she was fucking handling herself pretty damn well. She had the fucking, nice. she had the Williams blood. She's got the Williams blood in her, you know what I'm saying? And that would roll with the movie, you know, so the remake anyway. 
You know? Yeah. So I'm saying that, that Ash is a female now. You know what I'm saying? Instead of being Ash being a female, it's just his daughter. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. keeps on going as it goes. Because I'm not going to spoil the show for everybody else that haven't seen the show yet, but we still don't know what the hell I've had that little girl. We still don't know what I said with her. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how'd your boy kill Joy? Yeah, I think that would be awesome. How, I think that would be awesome if they made Ash's, Ash's actual legacy, his daughter, be his actual legacy and keep it going. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I fucking I watched that all day. How'd your boy kill Joy? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much, Killjoy. You've been a delight on this show. And I agree totally. with you 100%. Yeah. His daughter all the way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We go, last couple of messages. Okay, I'm back with more Ted Raimi trivia with yeah. uh, Army of Darkness. Ted played four different parts in that film. He Whoa. played uh, like three various different villagers and warriors at the kingdom that Ash was trying to save. But also he played the clerk at Esmar at the end of the film. And when he asked Ash, did you say the words right this time? And uh, I don't know if you guys covered it, but... Ted was also in the original Evil Dead film. He helped out his older brother by um, puppeteering different body parts when um, Shelly got chopped up on the floor. And also, I think, when Scotty exploded at the end, he was one of the appendages sticking out of the the body. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, enjoying the show so far. Yes, Ted Raimi for the win. (laughs) <laughs> so good. Absolutely. And I just want to add one more in there as well, that he was also uh, a voice of a lot of the skeletons as well from um, Army of Darkness. Wow. He did a lot That's... of the voices. So, Diga, so can, I, can I ask... We've got one more message from Diga, but can I just ask you, Diga, are you Ted Raimi? Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so good. Are you, are you Ted Raimi in disguise? Yeah. Ask him for a friend. Right, here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, Keith's story or uh, earlier about watching Army of Darkness with his dad when he was like eight or nine. I remember seeing when the first time I saw the uh, trailer for Army of Darkness on TV. It was very late at night. I was eight or nine myself, way past my bedtime. And it came on television. And I got so excited because I was a fan of the previous films and I ran out of bed went go see my mother in the living room and I said mom they're making a new evil dead movie can we go see it and the first thing she said was go back to bed you're gonna tell me about it tomorrow and anyway my mother's sitting here right now say hi uh-huh. hi, hi. <laughs> all right thanks guys oh that's, that's so, so cute yeah. hi mrs Raby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm joking wow. Oh, hello, mum. That's really sweet. Oh, that's made my night. Oh, I'm glad that you... Yeah, what a lovely laugh, you know? (laughs) I know. And I love the fact that that story is talking about Evil Dead. We're not talking about Aladdin. We're not talking about Bambi. We're talking about Evil Dead, you know? (laughs) I love that. That's so cute. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was a... Diga, thank you so much. That was a lovely uh, message to end with. I really, really appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like we had similar experiences to our introductions to Evil Dead, but excellent. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. And thank you, Shelly B. Yeah, thank you. This has been such a great talk. I love talking with everyone, too. I love that this franchise gets people passionate because it's the best, and it's just... If you haven't seen it, get your life together and see it. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's it nearly ten thirty in the evening here, and I'm gonna go and make myself a cup of tea, and I'm gonna watch Drag Me to Hell. Deal. I'm gonna also do that this evening. I have a, a couple more things to do because we're so far away in time, but we're together in spirit. <laughs> I have a, yes, I I love you the most. Excellent. Have such a great evening. <laughs>